Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we offered several suggestions how best to address the pending collapse of our Social Security and Medicare systems, which, in the case of Medicare, will run out of money in 2026. So benefits will only equal whatever we can withhold from people's paychecks. Our podcast included small, incremental steps, each easy to implement and spread across all interest groups so everyone bears a share of the pain without it falling too heavily on any one of them. From raising the retirement age to 68 and then 70, capping the annual cost of living increase, for employees in the private sector to remain longer on corporate payrolls and health care while asking more from our public servants, including teachers, who can retire as early as age 52 after only five years of service with lifetime benefits, and for boomers on the verge of retiring themselves, we invited them to seriously consider a second career as elder caregivers, providing them a source of income while solving a pending crisis for those over 80 who, living alone and possibly suffering from mental and physical infirmity, will increasingly be unable to care for themselves. Instead of adopt a softer like they have in Israel for survivors of the Holocaust, we could call it adopt an elder. But we also recommended things to invest in, from the convergence of robotics and AI to improve productivity and address the shortage of skilled labor, to companies innovating in laser and less invasive surgical devices, which, because they're less invasive, require little or no hospitalization, by far the largest cost in our healthcare system. We mentioned how clients are beginning to donate to nonprofit organizations that may offer a modest return and, more importantly, give them the opportunity to help entrepreneurial men and women in underprivileged places through things like microlending, where when loans are repaid, and they usually are, the money can be loaned out again. And finally, as people near retirement, we recommended they begin to add dividend-paying stocks to their portfolios in companies that have a history of increasing their dividend each year so they can ultimately generate enough income to cover expenses while reducing any discretionary costs like their mortgage. So by the time they retire, they have no debt at all. But at the end, we touched on farming and farmland, which is today's topic and the trail of breadcrumbs which have inexorably led to the risk we now face, both to our national security and our food supply chain. 
Around the world, uprisings like the Arab Spring were as much or more about the lack of clean drinking water and food insecurity as any cartoon written by Khalid Albay or Mohammed Anwar, which may have sparked them. The pandemic and supply chain disruptions here have laid bare the runaway inflation for things that we use every day. So, are farmland and water places to invest? We'll discuss that next week. But today, we want to address some of the issues and concerns. To begin with, who do you think owns the most land in the world? Not counting Australia, where only a handful of people like Gina Reinhardt own most of it, or the largest farm in the world that's jointly owned by China's Zhongding Dairy Farming and Russia's Severny Burr? The answer is the Catholic Church, which owns an area larger than France. The point is, it's not American farmers. Beginning in 2007, smaller farmers who were aging began looking for ways to cash out because their children were showing little interest in following in their footsteps. At the same time, REITs, pension funds, and other financial institutions were looking for ways to diversify, especially after the 2008 banking crisis. As a result, more than 30% of our farmland is now owned by non-operators who lease it back to the farmers. With over the last five years alone, nearly 100 million acres changing hands. And along the way, prices have soared. In 1970, according to the Iowa State University Farmland Value Survey, an acre of Iowa farmland sold for $419. Today, it sells for 13812 As Katie Scarlett's father said in Gone with the Wind, land's the only thing worth working for, worth fighting for, worth dying for because it's the only thing that lasts. While the price of land itself has risen, the things people grow on it have constantly risen and fallen. And this, in turn, has led to booms and busts and a need for government subsidies. So when times are tough, the farms don't disappear. These gyrations are due to everything from supply and demand, drought, soil conditions, to the cost of labor, water, and equipment. After a big run-up in prices, for example, earlier this year, due to the worries about inflation and Ukraine-related supply concerns, prices for corn, soybeans, and wheat have now fallen back to where they were a year ago, after they'd already reached record prices due to poor harvests at the time. But as a result, as ownership transferred from individual to institutional hands, those more disposable Passionate entities began making decisions based not on feeding American families, but where they could get the best, most reliable return on their investment, which meant everything from raising corn for ethanol to exporting their crops to places like China, who were willing to pay more. Regarding ethanol, a recent study by the National Academy of Sciences examined the use of water and land resources from 2008 to 2016 during their Renewable Fuel Standard Program, which under Obama required a certain amount of fuel from renewable sources to be used to reduce or replace petroleum-based products. This study found, unfortunately, 
that the combination of changes needed to grow the corn in addition to combustion and processing made corn-based fuel even more polluting than gas. So it seems this action, though well-intentioned, may have done more harm than good and in the process diverted valuable land and resources away from putting much-needed food on our tables, which would have also helped keep prices down. The point, as Barnaby is suggesting, is that from the viewpoint of sustainability, there seems to be a number of unintended consequences and disadvantages to allowing our farmland to be consolidated into the hands of landlords who are only motivated by their own financial gain. That's a fair point. In practice, our best hope of true stewardship, as that study said, will come from enlightened, committed owner farmers. But as James Cameron, Academy Award-winning director of Titanic and Avatar, famously said, hope is not a strategy. While institutional investors may pose a risk, that risk can be mitigated through public awareness and pressure on those organizations to do the right thing. But when it comes to foreign nations, there's not much we can do after the fact. Investment in farmland is key to any government seeking to stabilize and enhance its own food supply and prices. So them buying land in other countries and diverting whatever that land produces to satisfy their own needs, it makes total sense for them, but not for us. And that, I agree, is something which our government needs to get more involved with, to institute rules to protect us in a way that doesn't preclude the right of farmers to sell their land at a profit if and when they choose. But according to the USDA, China now controls more than 191,000 of our acres, not counting the land they just bought in North Dakota, 20 minutes away from an Air Force base in Grand Forks, where some of our nation's most sensitive drone and communication technologies are being developed and tested. Or some of our greatest agricultural companies, the most visible of which was their purchase of our largest pork producer, Smithfield foods in 2013. It turns out a meaningful part of that company's supply was mysteriously diverted to China during the COVID pandemic because we face shortages and it should be clear we need to put an end to this before it's too late. And don't forget water and water rights. There needs to be some federal entity other than CFIUS, perhaps, which is the Committee on Foreign Investment, whose priority it is to protect people's right to water in a transparent way so everyone's aware of what's happening. CFIUS is currently composed of representatives from 16 different agencies, including the Department of Defense, Homeland Security, Commerce, Energy, Justice, and it's chaired by the Secretary of Treasury. So they should be up to this task. But as things stand, they seem to have been relatively ineffective in this and other land-related matters, at least up until this point, because the facts tell us so. In any event, as we said at the beginning, we focused first on our concerns and issues, and next week we plan to discuss possible solutions and ways in which to invest, to take advantage of the current state of affairs. We hope you'll join us. In the meantime, thank you for listening. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammie for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. 
LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC and advisory services through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.